0: I'm unapologetically black. Yes. I'm just being clear. So for anybody that doesn't understand what being unapologetically black is, I'm not here to make anybody
1: else feel good about themselves. Welcome to one-on-one with the one and only. On this episode, I sit down for an in-depth conversation about race, history, pan-Africanism, and more as I go one-on-one with the one and only Cliff On high. Historian, educator, or community activist are just a few of the hats that Cliff wears. During our discussion, we'll get a peek into what's under those hats. This conversation will challenge minds, face realities, and ruffle feathers. So just kick back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I present to you one on one with the one and only Cliff on How. All right, everybody, it's me, it's me, it's the OG. It's your boy OG Nitty Man, you already know what this is. It is the latest addition to the Nitty in the City franchise. This is what I like to call one-on-one with the one and only. And today, we're going one-on-one with the one and only Cliff Vaughn Howell. Now, before I get down deep into this, I'm going to let y'all know, this is a dude I've come to know over the last, damn, Must have been, two years, three years? About three. Um, yeah, about three years, because 45 wasn't in office yet. No. <laughs> um met him essentially through social media and broadcast media because he is one third um of a show that's known as the brown eye perspective with tracy cliff and uncle renzo if you haven't caught that make sure you catch that on blogspot radio um they generally come out every other thursday at 8 p.m i know there's gonna be some changes to that format soon but all the shows are still up and available for you to reach anytime any place that's the beauty of the whole podcast world broadcast media world this this internet thing makes everything great it's a gift and a curse we all know that um i could go on and on about this guy but i won't because you know we got so much to talk about plus we're gonna find out you know throughout this here podcast um i will say this is this gonna be fun y'all it's gonna be fun he's one of those he's one of those folks i don't even have to do research on you know i i just i already know what's coming into it what it's gonna be so first of all my guy cliff welcome What's happening, OG? One-on-one with the one and only Cliff Valhalla. That's right. Uh, if you had the privilege of knowing him beyond social media and all of that, um, this actual format, because he's no stranger to the Team Nitty experience. That's already a given. He's part of the Team Nitty Radio family. But he's also no no stranger to the experience of uh, two men and one common goal, because if you know him on social media, he has a thing called two how men and one mission. And watch it. that thing all the time. I'm not going to tell you all that, but that what it is. That's his business, whether he wants to tell you or not. But... I got to ask you, like I've been asking you, every time you sit across from me in the studio on Team Nitty Radio, now you're sitting across from me at this table at Team Nitty Studios, one-on-one with the one and only Cliff All High, the world No, Who is Cliff?
0: Hey, I'm a regular guy. Um, uh, I'm a brother from, born and raised in Sussex County. Actually, I was born in Chester, but um, both my parents are from Sussex County. I just happened to be born in Chester. Mm-hmm. Um, raised, uh, public school system, Cape and School District. Uh, From there to Delaware State University Uh, Delaware State University uh, moved on got my graduate uh, degree from Wilmington University Um, I moved north to Wilmington. I've been in the Wilmington area ever since Um, Social media monster Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I do. Um, (laughs) My platform is education Uh, via social media. I take
1: education seriously Okay, no doubt so now you know, of course with Team Nitty Radio, one, we're FCC regulated, um, two, you know, we have to be a little more sensitive to the to, to the ears of our listening audience on the FM station. And shout out to everybody that listens in. I say that to say on Nitty in the City, it's, it's not, I mean, I don't want to say we're cookie cut on Team Nitty Radio because we definitely not. We're still cutting edge, but we definitely, yeah. I, I definitely cross different lines, Uh on this here podcast thing where the regulation is not as deep. And I said it to say, we got to have to get down, you know, deep and dirty into some of this stuff. Now, like you said, you're a social media monster. I guess I would also add to, you know, everything that you just said about yourself. I consider you a community activist yes. in addition to an educator and you're a literal educator in addition to, you know, educating the people out there who want to learn or or those who are ill-informed and they try to combat some of your... um some of you well, I don't want to say theories because mostly everything you say is rooted in fact. So your findings, if you will.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I want to start off by saying this. Um, I was fortunate from the activism thing. I was raised around community activists, mm-hmm. even when I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got I've got works I could show you um, going back to fifth sixth seventh grade mm-hmm. i was talking so we talking like 89 i'm talking I'm, I'm in a school newspaper talking about drugs in my community mm-hmm. and i didn't do that because i knew i was an activist then mm-hmm. um that's what was around me that's what right. i was seeing but i was around activists mm-hmm. those activists were my mentors and as i got older and began to mature i had mm-hmm. been in that setting for so long right that it just became second nature to me mm-hmm. when i got to delaware state university uh truthfully speaking, um the activists there Honestly mm-hmm. I thought that was child's play. Cause I've been around I've been right. I've been around mm-hmm. folks that um my mentors were people who came out of segregated school system. Mm-hmm. Um people that's older right. than my mother. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean? So right. I thought that was child's play at first until mm-hmm. I saw they were polished. <laughs> I was very I was very rough around the edge.
1: Now when you say polished you mean they knew how to present it a little differently I mean
0: they come from different they come from different backgrounds I mean you know if you really look at my message, a lot of my message you know is from the underprivileged uh standpoint because I was underprivileged mm-hmm. I grew up low income uh, yeah. um, so you know we talking about some folks come from the upper crust right you know so to say <laughs> so um their experiences were quite a bit different than mine. So you bring some of your experiences into the debate. So, you know, they were talking about some things that were foreign to me. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had to catch up culturally while also um, catch up from an educational standpoint. But I learned my advantage and my niche was they, had, they hadn't seen some of the things that I've seen, right? Right. They might mm. read about it. They might have family members that mm-hmm. seen and lived some of these things. I've seen some things and so, you know, I package that all up nicely, mm-hmm. uh, put it in a nice educated shell and that's what I give them.
1: Okay, so now, you know, a historian, cause you are a historian, um, you're well versed in, you know, political science amongst other things, uh, but of course, and I say historian because, you know, a lot of times people just look at you. If people see have seen you on social media or they've heard you on the radio or they've heard you on your broadcast, the brown eye perspective, they'll be like, okay, he's a race he, he's a race relations guy, or he's a race guy, or you know, it's oh he's black and white with this guy. Why everything gotta you know, I'm sure how many times you heard why everything gotta be black and white or the race card, why we gotta see color, yada 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 yada. But the reason I say historian is because <laughs> deeply rooted in the fabric of the history of this country. Is right, race related issues. Absolutely. A lot of these things that you know go on today, whether you talk about directly talk about the oppression, you know, the plight, uh, of black and brown people, or or, or versus uh, white perfect things of that nature, is race related. Correct. Sure. Um, or well, well, help me out for a second here. Let me jump off topic. Well, off topic, but on topic, because then many say a lot of these things aren't race related; they're class related or money related or what have you. Yeah. Like, as a matter of fact, somebody just said that today. Um. Somebody made a post on Facebook um, basically saying, like, politics is essentially all about greed and opportunity and trying to jockey for the best spot, and not worried about equality, ABC, XYZ, right? And I just paraphrased in the mm-hmm. statement. And I came on kind of halfway jokingly and was like, oh, I thought that was capitalism. I said, oh, dang, I thought that was capitalism. Then somebody else came on and said, uh, uh, capitalism and racism are one and the same, or something like that
0: in america they are Mm -hmm. capitalism itself and racism are not one and the same capitalism capitalism is the ideology that money and prosperity trumps everything else no pun intended Mm -hmm. right racism is an ideology that one race is superior to another Mm-hmm. I want to say this, and I want to be clear about this, right? Because just you, to your point where you say, you know, you're pretty sure some people, you know, say, why has it always got to be black and white with me? Right. First and foremost, if racism didn't exist, I wouldn't have anything to talk about.
1: Fact. All Fact right. one. <laughs> Next
0: thing. Mm-hmm. I'm unapologetically black.
1: Yes. I'm just being
0: clear. So for anybody that doesn't understand what being unapologetically black is, I'm not here to make anybody else feel good about themselves, mm-hmm. right? I come from an oppressed class in this country, mm-hmm. right? Just like every other ethnic group in this country, folks are allowed to celebrate themselves. Mm-hmm. We, have, you know, we have all different types of communities. We have Asian communities, they celebrate themselves. We have uh, Irish community, they celebrate themselves. Mm-hmm. We have the Italian community, they celebrate themselves. We need to be able to celebrate ourselves. The problem is the cultural conditioning that occurs in this country, Mm -hmm. it's as though we're not supposed to celebrate ourselves. Or celebrating ourselves somehow becomes anti-everybody else. And that's not it at all. I want the same thing for my people that the Jewish community wants for their people, that the Polish community wants for their people, that the Irish community wants for their
1: people. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So now... You know, I hear it because now, now it almost sounds like you're saying, oh, you shouldn't walk on eggshells in your place of uh, employment. Or you shouldn't walk on eggshells when you go to the kids' school meeting or things of that nature. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times, hey, when we speak out, you're the big black man or the angry black man or, ang- or the angry black woman. You sure you know what you're saying right now? So,
0: right, I'm not saying go out here and be belligerent, mm-hmm. right? You got to protect your economic prosperity but every man and woman has to know what the line is for them. I'm not going to kowtow for anybody, Mm -hmm. right? On the same token, I don't walk in the the rooms and start making people feel bad about themselves either. Now,
1: what I do is- Well, there was one time. There was one time. (laughs) There was one time you came on Team Nitty Radio in the winter and yeah, we were all happy, we're like, yo, you see I was still warm out here, like February, you know, the weather, mad nice for this winter's unceasingly warm, b we got those spring. Here you come. All right now, Nitty. And then you start breaking down why people are gonna start getting sick or, or uh I forgot everything you said. But all I know is a hush fell upon the crowd. And all I could say was, Well, thanks, Cliff. <laughs> so, Nitty, you know I'm a country boy. You are a country boy. Okay. So,
0: utilize your country resources, okay? You as a country boy, I'm just trying to remind you that 70 degrees in January isn't natural, right? Right. And though it does feel good because we're short sleeves, we really need that snow for some things out here. And if we don't get it soon, we're going to be in a bad way. Mm-hmm. That's all I was saying. No and, doubt. And have you noticed, mm-hmm. right? This spring and now going into this summer, you see how they talk about how bad certain things are mm-hmm. that stuff is all it's all interrelated and like I said you know i I mean I grew up around children of sharecroppers my grandfather and my grandmother were children of sharecroppers uh-huh. you know what I'm saying so they wasn't telling me because they scientifically knew right they was telling me because Old wives tales plus their lived experiences, so mm-hmm. you know i mean no you know knowing that you you know you're from the big apple no doubt i just, i just
1: figured you know <laughs> in, in a c
0: you know you're from c t
1: uh you' from boston
0: i i'd heard Brookmont farms oh well up. yeah could, that yeah, too yeah. but understanding the urban uh mm-hmm. background, I just figured I'd give' y'all a little bit a little bit of country a little no bit a little bit of country uh what do we want to say.
1: Give you a, a little country persuasion. No doubt. What, we got that first snowfall not long after that, so I felt like a sigh of relief. I was like, can we breathe now? He's like, yeah, and okay. That era, and that air was crisp. <laughs> that air was
0: crisp
1: afterwards, and, and, and I was thankful. <laughs> no doubt. So now also I want to point out too, because, you know, um, many I've seen people accuse you of basically hating white people. Or, 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 or I don't think anyone's called you a racist, but... You know, they come close enough based on your stances, So I gotta ask you straight up and down, your thoughts on white people.
0: I mean, so Cliff doesn't get to where he is without the assistance of all people, mm-hmm. right? I grew where I grew up is on the population is less than. The minority population total when I was growing up in that area and in the part of Sussex County I grew up in was less than thirteen percent. Okay, I mean when I went to school and it'd be me and maybe two other mm-hmm. um, African Americans in my cl- in my mm-hmm. classes in in the academic classes. So anybody who's like yo, he doesn't like white people. Those people don't know me. Those yeah. people are is somebody looking from the outside taking a look at what they see me posting, mm-hmm. what they see me talking about in the thing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I challenge anyone, pull any post, pull any of my 135 episodes mm-hmm. and find somewhere where Cliff says that white people are boom, boom, boom. Right. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't put anybody in that type of box. Now, what I will do is talk about historical and factual things mm-hmm. and if those things happen to pertain to you right then if the shoe fits where mm-hmm. right i can't tell the story of the existence of our people in this country without right. talking about the atrocities that our people experienced. Mm-hmm. it wasn't us doing it right not largely mm-hmm. right so what i'm supposed to do mm-hmm. not not <laughs> not speak what it is right you like, I, I tell people i'm not here to make you feel good about yourself mm-hmm. We're here to, to dialogue. I'm here to, to, to give you this education. If you need an education, I'm here to exchange information.
1: Okay. Yes. Okay. So now, in talking about, like you said, uh, this kind of, I guess, segues into kind of going back into your, your, your expertise, if you will, for lack of a better term, with history and historical data and facts and figures, as you said. And you just mentioned, you know, atrocities that have taken place time and time again against, you know, uh, black people. I've started to notice. Um, I've noticed people who speak when speaking about you know atrocities that's that's happened throughout history and with the things that are happening in present day, whether it's police brutality or all kinds of hate crimes, things of that nature. They say, okay, we can't keep. And this is like uh, when I say us as a people, as Black people, we can't keep posting about these atrocities or, or talking about the atrocities, showing the atrocities, because. It's traumatic to Black people. It's traumatic to the psyche, and it's not going to do. And it's not. It's not going to benefit us in any way, shape, or form to continue. <laughs> I wish people could see your face right now. In any way, shape, or form, to continue to see these things, we need to switch the narrative. And I guess, I don't know, talk about something different. If we, I guess I'll, I, our come up and so our pluses or what have you. So now I got to ask you because again, as a historian, you you are one who's quick to point out you know based on historical data atrocities if you will whether it's you know the past or present day where do you stand on that do you feel like that could hold some weight like that could be too traumatic for people to see i think it's all right to 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 be clear Mm -hmm. right i'm gonna give you a quote
0: i could when asked how many slaves i freed Mm -hmm. i don't i I don't reckon i know i know i could have freed a lot more if only they knew they were slaves. That's
1: Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. That's Harriet it, you know, I saw people recently saying she didn't make this quote, and I was like, I feel like a. I... So, she absolutely made that quote. Okay.
0: Right? People would parap- You know, people would paraphrase. Right. She absolutely made that quote, and I, I'd have to go back. I'd have to go back and, and find out exactly where I saw it. Mm-hmm. But I know that. It was. She was interviewed while she was living in her last days, and she was living in Canada, uh-huh. just across from Niagara Falls. Right. And that's where she gave the quote. So she absolutely made the quote. Okay. But the the fact of the matter, and getting back to the the ideology, mm-hmm. you know, you know, her husband was reluctant. He didn't. She came back for him. Her original trip back was for her husband. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't with it, right? So no one understand that this mentality has been among us, right? Right. So when we understand that, then we understand that that's part that's part of the that, that's part of our people. We're not a monolith, mm-hmm. you know. We're we're not a, a homogeneous population either, right? So you get some of that. I tell people straight up, right? You tell me a disease that ever cured itself. Not one. All right. Racism is a disease. hmm So what, what those people want, right, mm-hmm. they want to reap the benefits of the labor, of the activism, of the hard work, you know, the people who died before them. Right. They, these, these people are comfortable reaping those rewards, mm-hmm. but they don't want to step out there and they don't wanna be the people who are the culture bearers.
1: Right. I call them
0: culture robbers.
1: That's that's what I call
0: them, culture robbers.
1: Okay, so that's our own people then.
0: Yeah, yeah, listen, right? Because in the back of my head, right, I hear Tracy Saying, "Don't let, you
1: let, do it? Let, let, Don't hey, you Tracy do it?" Tracy ain't here. <laughs> I hear
0: Tracy's. Nitty in the city. I hear Tracy saying, <laughs> "Don't you do it?"
1: It's one on one with the one and only. Nitty <laughs> saying, "Do it."
0: We are fifty percent of our problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Black people. I told you before. When you, yes, I have more problems with black people.
1: Mm-hmm. I have for white I've heard you say this. You know, it's always been like a tough bill to swallow. Did you not see my thread? I've you seen the see, thread. Did you not see the and thread? That's that the I thing, see? too. And I've seen them. It's like, they support, the, the threads have supported your statements. Yes. And I just sit there like dumbfounded. Like, <laughs> wow. And you know, it's funny. Um, another one of my peoples who, actually, he was on the show St. Thomas you, Sergeant Ivan Thomas. Mm-hmm. You know, I know y'all Facebook friends now. And I had this kind of running joke. One of his Facebook friends, I won't name her name, it was a, a black lady. You know, he's a very opinionated man like yourself, and like you, he, he roots it in a lot of, you know, historical data, facts, and things of that nature. Everything you may not agree with. And that's what I'm sure everybody don't, even like you said, your own co-hosts don't always agree with you and vice yeah. versa. But that's what creates, you know, the dialogue, understanding things of that nature. I feel like, <laughs> I just want joke, because regardless of anything he says, is this this one sister that is just disagrees with literally everything and you know I'm looking you know I'm waiting to see well, what Wiley disagrees sometimes you just come on and say well I just disagree and I'm like that to the point where I had to I was like okay no I was like Ivan Thomas you know blank here she come I disagree and we all just left so every time he has a she comes on well no I don't think this is it I don't think that's the case and, you know, I've seen her. yeah, I'm sure you have. Cause he was <laughs> okay. And he even says, okay, well, show me where or whatever. And then she can't, or she'll say, just pull something out of her ass. She's and I'm a like, Bible thumper. Damn. Right. I'm, I got her. Um, yeah. I don't remember. If she's a Bible thumper. Yeah, uh, she got so much, she got so much stuff. You know what I mean? It's hard to keep. She's a Bible thumper. I think, I think her, I think her mom is a pastor. If It's the same person. Okay.
0: Those people are contrarians. Mm-hmm. That's what I call them. Cause it's, it's to the contrary. My cousin. Mm hmm. My cousin, that the, the, the guy who comes on all the time who says who says that I'm mm-hmm. a follower. Yes. He tells, he I tells, know your cousin. Yeah, he's my cousin. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely my cousin. Okay. Yeah, they're contrarians, mm-hmm. right? So what you have to do when it comes to a contrarian is sometimes it depends on what type of fun you want to have. You right. know, you, you know, I, know you, I don't know if you're a Warner Brothers cartoon type of guy. Sometimes you just got to set the traps on him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bugs had Wally Coyote coming and going. That's what you got to do to them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you really want them to, to, to say what you're really feeling, then you just say the opposite. Then they'll come out and say the opposite. And right. you are like, yeah, that's really what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. That's at least, at least in my cousin's situation, my cousin thinks that this stuff is easy. Thinks that you can get on, you know, that the, the following that you get, right. you know, the popularity and stuff that mm-hmm. you get, like that stuff is easy. He don't understand that this is many, many years in the making. You know, right. there's plenty of people who come on my threads that that we were classmates mm-hmm. at Delaware State and they'll tell you Cliff is the same way. Right. You know I mean clip Cliff was the same he was the same way at Delaware State. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so this isn't something that just happened. Social media brought me to more people. Okay. And he just he thinks that it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. He you know, he does he does his things right. and he doesn't get any views and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so, he's really pulling this whole Candace Owens type thing, okay. you know, where it's profitable to go mm-hmm. against the grain. Yeah. That's all That's all the contrarian, uh, that's all out of the contrarian ideology.
1: So, this doesn't get frustrating?
0: Yes, but
1: you got to sharpen your knife somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Cause, and I get that, but then also, too, you know, I've seen you... You know, there are certain topics that you say you just won't entertain anymore. Flat Earth being yes. one of them. I forget what the other. I think it was like so. I so saw one other, I believe, but Flat Earth is the one I. That's my go-to. Yes. But and then it's like, at the same token, you always say, you know, I've heard you say you're here to educate. You said this time and time and again, you know. But let's let's use the Flat Earthers for example. Um, you don't see that as an opportunity to just educate some. Like, I get it. Some people just won't, don't want to get it. Right. You know, that's because I remember, I remember I made a statement about, you know, I'm at a point in my life now where I'm not really about explaining to white folk what the issue is about certain things. Like, right. you just don't want to get it at this point. But also, I've never really deemed myself an educator, if you will. So,
0: in order in order to be able to educate someone, it's a two-way exchange. mm mm-hmm. I can't just educate you, Nitty. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You gotta be willing to learn. You gotta be open and receptive mm-hmm. to learning. Some people not open to learning. Flat Earthers, they're not open to learning, mm-hmm. right? And, and my thing is, <laughs> the reason I walk away from the flat Earthers mm-hmm. is because you will mess around and get caught up in a long discussion about something that you know. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And my time is too important and too precious for that. Right. Um, As for the people who don't want to be educated, I'm not going to beat you over your head with it. Mm -hmm. When I'm putting my message out there, I'm putting my message out there for the masses. right? You know, you come take a piece, eat a piece. If You want to lie, you you, you eat till you're full. Mm -hmm. Right. But you come over and sit at my table and think you're going to put your feet up on my table. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. You, know, you, you come over here you come here a lot of the mistakes that the people who have problems on my page mm-hmm. the mistake they make is that they think that their opinion matters mm-hmm. not over there not not in my in my world we're talking education right share your ideas but your opinion doesn't matter mm-hmm. the facts do right very rarely very rarely, yes, I have a strong personality, but I am giving you facts to the point where I will tell you where you can go and get mm-hmm. them. I will return, serve
1: <laughs> with facts, right,
0: right, and I know folks aren't necessarily looking for that. Mm-hmm. The problem is so many people traffic in opinion that they don't know and understand that when you're talking to somebody and they're talking to you about facts, and mm-hmm. peel that opinion stuff away. Right. Let's just let's just talk about facts. Now you can. You can use your facts to carve out what your position is. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. that you know that's that's classic textbook argument. you right. know what I mean I appreciate that actually, but don't just come with your opinions and you always know when it's, when it, when they're trafficking opinions because when you get them to the point where they have no reliable sources mm-hmm. right they'll say things like oh uh oh, i'm I'm not, I'm not going to go do a research paper right." But don't bring your damn opinions here either. (laughs) Right. Because there's people here trying to learn. Mm -hmm. And you bringing your opinions, you dialoguing with me, people thinking, okay, well, this is a qualified conversation. Mm -hmm. I know Cliff is coming with, with facts and things that I can look up. I guess Nitty does too. Right. Then you come find out, Nipsey just like yo, no, I just want to say whatever I want to say. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's that's harmful to people who really want
1: to learn. So now, for people from the outside looking in, or listening into this 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 podcast right now, you know, many people have seen where we can have people who let's say they know the facts, they know the stats, what have you, and this, you know, they're putting their rhetoric or what have you out on their social media page or what have you. And a lot of them, for a lot of them, that's where it stops. And for a lot of people, it's like, well, what the hell is that other than you just typed up some words? Did you get anything going? Did you apply it to anything? <laughs> Otherwise, are you really helping the, the quote unquote movement, if you will, or or the progress of the people, right? The advance, let's say the advancement, that's right, advancement, right? So now I got to ask you something. here in, here in Clifton, I said, well, how is he any different from, you know, the other social media woke folk or however they call them, you know, nowadays? Are you applying this in any shape or way or fashion, like boots to the ground or or pen to the paper to your local politicians, what have you, networking with the right people? We need to hear that. So, first and foremost, I mean, you already laid it out. I
0: right. am an activist, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to protecting my interests and protecting the interests of my community, I bring those things to the attention of the proper people, whether right. it's the politicians or... Whether it's people in the work setting, people in the school setting, I do that. Um, When I walk in my daughter's school, my daughter, she looks in her, she puts her face in her hand because she Mm -hmm. knows and understands. And if I have to, it's going down. Mm -hmm. Like, 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 I'm going, I'm going to get answers. Mm -hmm. I really am about results. I know what is likely to get the best results Mm -hmm. and i know when i'm not willing to take no for an answer as well so that's what i find humorous when some people attack me say oh you know uh you talk a lot Mm -hmm. but i don't i don't see you doing anything Mm -hmm. bad boys moving silence and violence right understand Mm -hmm. i'm not killing nobody But you converse, go behind me with any of these administrators, any of these people that Mm. have had to deal with me, I kill you professionally. I kill Mm. you professionally. (laughs) Um, Major, major thing today, right? Okay. Um, You know I've been fighting for minority teachers. Right. Delaware has one of the lowest minority teaching rates Mm -hmm. in the country. You're like in the bottom ten percent. Wow, right? I've been working with different school districts, trying to get minority hiring up. They all sing the same song. But we don't know if a candidate is an African American or not. We just we hire the most qualified candidates. And I'm sitting there like you blowing smoke up my ass, mm-hmm. right? So then I then they say in our applications don't even don't even have uh, race as a checkbox. Right. For the last two years, I've been quietly mm-hmm. working with a committee. And we've been working to topple that. Today, I put out the breaking news today. I saw that. It's gone. But see, nobody, yet, I ne- i never stood on a table mm-hmm. and said, I'm going to do this. Right. I'm going to do that. <clears throat> when it got done, mm-hmm. I let people know this is what's happening out there. And 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 I, and I never say these things to make it seem like. I'm doing this in a vacuum. Right. I'm not doing this in a vacuum, but you talk to the people that I work with, mm-hmm. you know, the people that work with me, that, that I do the work with,
1: mm-hmm. they tell you. So now let me ask you this, I'm kind of piggybacking off of that. So many things I could ask, right? But I know I've heard you say one time, you know, and I'm gonna paraphrase here a little bit. The war or the fight is like the young man's game, if you will, like the battlefield, the front lines. Yep. You know we're getting to the we're at the age of getting to the age where you got to play it from. I guess you be the strategist, you plot the things. Out. I'm not saying this still isn't actually be taken, such as the action you just took to you know be able to make this breaking news today. So let's say for the up and coming young, the inexperienced warrior who wants to be the next Cliff, or who wants to be the first, you know that person, but utilize the Cliff blueprint, if you will, or whoever else's blueprint. How can they begin to find out the steps to take to be able to say, okay, I'm moving like this. I'm going to I'm going to do what would Cliff do? Because I feel like in the, in the realm of education, that's one thing we lack. And, you know, we've seen it. Because here's what I see. When, or here's what, well, just from seeing you, from knowing you, or even from what you just said at this table, Cliff is he's not merely reactive. Cliff is proactive. Mm-hmm. Cliff will analyze and Cliff will see the problem coming or he'll see the issue, or he'll see, you. he'll he'll have seen the problem, but and identified the root without getting uh, super emotionally invested, which, you know, that's what leads to, like, the protests and the marches and stuff, then then they just dissipate, and there was no real results, because you're you results driven, right? Cool. So how do people gain that education to now, I guess, be that proactive, or, you know, get ahead of the game and move right? So, number one,
0: uh, shout out to my village, and shout out to the people who came before me. I didn't know I was being groomed when I was being groomed. Mm-hmm. My folks, the folks, who, the folks who groomed me, these folks are mid-60s now, right? Mm-hmm. They sit back, they kick their feet up, and I hear other people say, yeah, I talked to Brenda Milburn, I talked to uh, Diaz Bonville, mm-hmm. and they said that they put you on. And I tell them they absolutely did. And mm-hmm. I try to shout them out as much as I can. The thing is, I'm open and I'm receptive to working with other folk. I'm pouring into I'm pouring into some young cats right now that may mm-hmm. or may not know that this is what I'm doing. I tell them all the time. Yeah. I'm the past. Y'all the future. And I'm just I'm I'll be forty three this summer. So I'm not a I'm not an old cat by right. any means, but war is a young man's game. Mm-hmm. The, the youngins are built for war. Yeah. the problem is that we make the mistake we make in our community is we hold on to power too long mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean you old like Jesse Jackson Al Sharpton them out here you, you, you clinging to power right no no our job once we get to a certain point is to teach them young soldiers because you always gonna have a wave mm-hmm. of young soldiers that's why youngins are built for war mm. you supposed to impart the knowledge on them so mm. that they move correctly they don't have wasted steps right right and then when they become you right? When, right when when the cats that i'm trying to mold right now when they hit 40 and i'm 60 now they telling the 20 year old right there mm. old head right there that's you treat him—that's a living ancestor right okay. there. That's an elder right mm-hmm. there. You show him the due respect right. that he's supposed to get because what I'm giving you, he gave me, mm-hmm. and then you are gonna do this the next time. That's the proper order of things. If you look—if you look within our culture, right—and and, and I'm saying our as Africanoid people mm-hmm. because I'm stopping and I try my best. I don't—I try not to say African American anymore.
1: Right. And that's because.
0: Because. To be African-American is to be American. America doesn't accept us as American. Mm. We are displaced Africans in America. Okay. I'm not anti-patriotic, right? Right. That's not what I am. Definitely not. I'm calling it what it is. Mm. If I say African-American, they accept us, right? Mm -hmm. Would you call what happens to us at the hands of law enforcement accepting... Would you call the educational achievement gap accepting? Mm. Would you call the economic gaps accepting? Would you call the economic gaps accepting? Okay, no. So, are we quintessentially American? Nah. All right. Not dream. (laughs) All right. Now, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Because I tell folks. Being black is a condition in America because we're not black. We're Africans, okay. right? Being black is a condition, right? Mm-hmm. You black in America. If, if, if you African in America, you black, right? Yeah. Okay. So using the standards that America gives us, why, why would I blow smoke up my own ass? Right. We are at this moment in time Displaced Africans in America—that's who we are. Okay, and and there's other folks throughout the diaspora that are the same way. Displaced Africans in Canada. Displaced mm-hmm. Africans in South America. Displaced Africans in Central America. <laughs> displaced Africans in Europe. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what we are. We're displaced Africans. So I I I'm, i Sometimes you'll catch me and I you know I'll say African American, but really I have. Replace that with this, and it, and it sparks a conversation. Mm hmm. Well, what do you mean? And then I had the conversation that I just had, with right? You.
1: Okay, now so another form of education
0: when America treats us as they treat others, then maybe I'll return an African American. hmm. Until then, we're displaced Africans in America.
1: So now, are you do you feel like you're currently Helping to cultivate the next wave of the cliffs, let's say the young words to be the the then forty year old to then drop the knowledge onto the twenty year old. So I
0: have a I have a unique I have a unique pulpit right now mm-hmm. because I get to shape the minds of college students. Right, but then I also get to continue to pour into the community. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I'm in the classroom, I'm at peace. That's where I do my best work. Um, my students will tell you.
1: You're not worried about the politics of higher education?
0: No, because, because I'm not, you know, I'm not out here, I'm not out here saying inflammatory things. Okay. when I say that we're displaced Africans in America, mm-hmm. that's what we are. Right. You know what I mean? That's not inflammatory. Now, if I'm in an educational setting, right? mm mm-hmm and the folks there don't recognize that we're displaced Africans, that's a bigger
1: problem. <laughs> right? Right.
0: But on the same token, I'm not out here saying crap on America. That's, that's ne- That has never been a part of, of my conversation. Okay. Ever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? I can teach black history as it is. And the facts and the information stand on its own. So I don't... I don't, I don't really, I haven't run into any, any of the politics, you know, any politics around education because I keep, I keep my message pure, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, folks ask me, how do I identify myself? Um, I told you I'm a pan-Africanist, but there's different levels of right. pan-Africanism, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, W.E.B. Dubois versus Marcus Garvey, both are pan-Africanists, right? Right. But, you know, the levels The levels were different Mm -hmm. Um, I see Pan-Africanism I see a Neo-Pan-Africanism
1: that that I start to explain So now for those who are unfamiliar with the term Pan-Africanism you break that down for me. So, Pan-Africanism Is the
0: desire For people Throughout the diaspora People throughout the world Of African descent it's the desire of them to reconnect with their roots. Mm-hmm. Now, it manifests in different ways, right? Right. Um, Marcus Garvey, he basically said, hey, yes, we can take folks back to the motherland, but that's not a reality for the masses. Mm-hmm. So for those who can't make that trip, We will insulate them where they are. We will create Africa where we are. Mm -hmm. Um, W.E.B. Dubois, in his later days, he became so pissed off with the state of things in America that he said there's no way the African in America Mm -hmm. will ever get a fair shake, and he went to Ghana. Okay. So, you know, it's different levels on it. When I talk about this um, neo-pan-Africanism that that I'm starting to conceive and, and, and the ideology that I'd like to subscribe to is, so we have all these talented Africans, displaced Africans throughout the world. How beautiful and amazing would it be for us to take these resources and the things that we've achieved and acquired in these other settings mm-hmm. and pour back into the mother continent? Right. 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 You got engineers, you got doctors, you got lawyers, you got everything, right? Mm-hmm. Policy, um, advisors, everything, skilled workers. Wouldn't it be beautiful if the leaders of these countries who don't have the in- infrastructure and they have a void of these skill sets, if they made a way mm-hmm. for us to come and be able to work with them and help right. build their countries mm-hmm. and that begin to be our connection back to the motherland, okay. And I just call that to me that's that it's just a form of pan Africanism, but I see that it's like a neo pan
1: Africanism to me.
0: That's kind of what I'm what i sounds
1: Garveyesque in a way,
0: uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, so folk ask me, I'm a little W.E.B. Du Bois, I do believe in a talented 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, I also understand that there are inherent flaws in that. Anytime right. that you elevate, um, any group of people over another group of people just the nature of man um is to turn that will turn some people off but it also creates a classism Mm -hmm. um so i do understand that but i also know and understand just just looking at the state of black america Mm -hmm. right everybody can't don't represent the culture right that you know what i mean (laughs) you know the the realism you know being honest Mm -hmm. everybody don't represent and everybody should not represent the culture right um you know,
1: I got I got a little you know a little MLK sprinkle sprinkle a little MLK, um, MLK. Which MLK? Because you know I ask you this because you know the me the narrative or the media always pushes the I Have a Dream MLK on us, and then I'm no no knock to the I Have a Dream MLK. But you know we learn later on and like well many people have learned later on in life I would say not enough that that MLK had. An epiphany, for lack of a better term, at which I guess—and I'm paraphrasing again—he realized the dream wasn't as dreamy as he once imagined. Well, he said himself that
0: he he fears that um, he woke up from the dream and realized it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, he he fears that he led uh, he led African Americans into a burning house. Mm-hmm. Now, I like
1: we don't never we never get to see that speech. We hardly get to see that speech there. on TV.
0: There, the mountaintop. Yeah, mountaintop is the Ill- mountaintop is, in my opinion, his illest speech. Mm-hmm. Um, truthfully, his illest full-length speech. Um, he did uh, he did a brief interview. I think it was a week or ten days before uh, he was assassinated, where he was effectively talking about his poor people's campaign. Then mm-hmm. a bullet struck. All right. Um, I like Martin. In his totality. Okay. I appreciate the post-Malcolm X Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. Because that Martin Luther King realized that the issues that he had with Malcolm was all part of a design and a Mm -hmm. scheme. Right. And that at the end of the day, he and Malcolm weren't all that different. They were riding parallel trains. They mm-hmm. just weren't on the same track. Okay. Um beautifully enough, Malcolm was coming to Martin's position, and Malcolm's assassination showed Martin mm-hmm. there were some flaws to what he had been right. and it pushed him more towards the Malcolm okay. position. I tell people if you read the mountaintop speech, if you read it, it's very difficult for you to determine who wrote that speech between Malcolm X or MLK. Okay. Now, if you hear it, of course, you know. Right. Very different. Compare the mountaintop speech to Malcolm's The Ballad of the Bullet." hmm those, those, those are two of the best speeches of the 20th century.
1: Okay. Bar none. hmm Bar none. Okay, so now, <clears throat> this this might be a fun transition right here, because hearing everything you're saying, and you know, um, touching on the, the Pan-African train, if you will, let's hop on the Pan-African train, and even like you said, you know, imagine if we could uh, divulge or invest these resources, you know, these uh, resources, intellectual resources, infrastructure, what have you, into these, you know, motherland countries, some might look at that and say, you know, it's almost like he wants to segregate in a way. And that then brings me to the point of <laughs> where I've seen, and it's still being said today by, you know, I guess people in the mainstream, quote unquote, that maybe segregation wasn't such a bad idea. Maybe we were a little better off with segregation because whether it be by circumstance or not, we, you know, we were running our own, we had more businesses, thriving businesses, we were running our own schools, teaching each other through from an African lens, if you were, from a brown eye perspective, if you will, amongst other things. And I know you and I have had this conversation more than once, but we've never had it on this platform. Hell, shoot, like, a man's mind may change every now and again, who knows? Like you said, Malcolm started coming, Martin side, Martin of started coming, Malcolm side, ABCXYZ. You've heard it. You've heard it again. Matter of fact, I tagged you. On a th- I didn't even tag you recently. I asked the universe to bring you, and what did they do? They came through for the universe's favorite son and brought you. So I ask you right here on one-on-one with the one and only Cliff, your thoughts on what seg- if segregation was not a terrible, not terrible of a maneuver for us?
0: All right. So to be straightened to the point, the people who think. That we were better off during segregation are people who did not live through segregation that's straight and to the point Mm -hmm. now the elaborative okay so when we talk segregation folks tend to think that segregation was just this one omnibus thing Mm -hmm. and it really wasn't segregation had tentacles you know there was social segregation And there's economic segregation. Mm -hmm. We socially segregate. We socially segregate all the time. Mm -hmm. If if, if we go to a lunchroom, you know, this this put us on the campus of a PWI. Yeah,
1: they
0: don't tell you black folk need to sit with each other where they want to eat lunch. Right. But you tend to gravitate to each other.
1: We definitely did that at U D.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it happens everywhere. It happens Mm -hmm. everywhere. Even black folk among black folk. We do it at work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's social segregation. That's not forced segregation, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you start getting into economic and you start getting into uh, litigious segregation, you know, where it's it's seated in law and policy. Mm -hmm. And that's totally different, right? You can't tell me that all the work that Dr. Clark did and all these social scientists did um, I'm talking about Dr. Henry Clark all these social scientists did on the ills of segregation Mm -hmm. on the Negro you can't tell me that's bullshit that's legit Mm -hmm. now I will acknowledge that there are some elements of when we were in a segregated society that were better for us segregated schools Segregated schools, African-American children were supremely educated because our teachers were supreme, okay? At that time, if you wanted to be a professional, you had very limited jobs you could do. Maybe a dentist. Right. Maybe a lawyer. Maybe a doctor or a teacher. Okay. The rest of it was going to be manual labor of some sort. Right. Therefore, all our teachers... Were, were supremely educated, right? right? Mm-hmm. Now, juxtapose that to in your white schools. In your white schools, you had some teachers who did it for the love, you know, for the love of, of, of teaching, mm-hmm. of education, right? You had some of them. You had some of them who did it because that's the only thing they could do, right? right? Then you had some who did it unwillingly but that's how they had to make a living. Right. That is that is way different than what we had in the segregated schools. Mm-hmm. Now, I tell people that there was a mistake when we talk about integration and we talk about de- when we talk about desegregation, because uh-huh. that's really what we should say. We should not, as African people, talk about integration because we did not. We were used to integrate schools. We did not go into integrated schools. Right. An uh, integrated school has a curriculum that was designed with all students in mind. That okay. is not what they did. They took mm-hmm. the African American kids out of the colored schools and dropped them into those white schools. Most of those supremely uh, talented educators that I talked to you about two minutes ago yep. were fired. Right? Mm-hmm. Now you've got Our children in a setting where they were never wanted, that was not designed to educate them. And now let's just look here. Mm -hmm. 50, 50, 60 years later, you think it's a... You surprised that suspensions and school discipline is disparate as it is between African-American students and other students? Right. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm you surprised that we see these teachers in 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 some examples manhandling our children you surprised that they talk about they want to arm teachers right talk to your parents or anybody who came through the segregated school system they'll tell you we had them type problems Mm -hmm. suspension What no damn (laughs)
1: suspension.
0: (laughs) Lit your ass up Mm -hmm. and told your parents and when you got home you got your your ass ass lit up. up And then when you came back to school the next day, Mm -hmm. you had a whole new lease on. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that's a conversation about corporal punishment. Right. But what I'm saying is I have a totally different mentality. Mm -hmm. Totally different mentality. So segregation and, and let's talk about these businesses. Yes, our businesses thrived. Why did they thrive? Because we had no other resource. Our businesses were located in the communities where we lived, mm-hmm. right? Right. You wasn't getting in a car, riding four or five miles for whatever goods it was you wanted. You were most likely in walking distance of the goods that you needed. Ninety percent right. of them, mm-hmm. black folk, uh, upon being free, have always lived congregated, mm-hmm. right? So you are gonna thrive, okay. white folk. Now here's a, here's a, another thing about black businesses thriving. Prior to the interstate project, right? Mm-hmm. African American businesses thrive too because a lot lots of those those white dads that got that call at work said, "Honey, um, bring home some milk." Yeah, we're out of milk, and they driving home. You think they were gonna drive? They, and they driving past two, three black stores. You don't think they're going to drive past them black stores to go and get milk somewhere else? They're just trying to get home after they ship, right? right? Mm-hmm. So the black businesses had white folk patronizing it to a lesser extent, but they also had the black folk patronizing and that's what made it successful. successful. Right. The interstate projects made it so you won't have to get off. Mm-hmm. You know, it made it difficult for you to go through community shit. Look at I 95 in Wilmington. Right. If you look at what I 95 runs over top of, and then mm-hmm. you look. Is there a business immediately on either side of I-95?
1: It's Leicester Gas Station now. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Because that would be the dumbest place in the world for you to have a business now because you ain't gonna get no business. Right. Right? Folk go to I-95 to get on or to get off. Okay. The interstate project.
1: Now why okay, I get how that could change for, you know, like you said, the, the lesser the lesser amount of white folk who were going to these black businesses. How did that change for black folk? Well, uh, let me just ask you this straight up and down. What changed that made us go from, okay, I mean, granted, okay, you know, to access whatever to other places. But it's like, okay, I'm thinking of, and of course, I'm, I can't put myself in their shoes. But I'm thinking to myself, Cliff has a, a, a grocery store. You know, I know Cliff. He's my neighbor. He's my neighbor, whatever. I can get the milk, eggs, the, and the butter from Cliff. Why all of a sudden now am I going to the Shoprite? Am I going to Wegmans? Am I going to Whole Foods instead of going to Cliff anymore? So with the interstate project, also came something called redlining.
0: Mm-hmm. Redlining was the systemic oppression of the property values. Now, now, Nitty, you know, you doing your best to keep you know keep your business in the community, right? But on the same token, the community is becoming uh, depressed. Mm-hmm. Because they're artificial, they're artificially lowering the property values around mm-hmm. here, right? As the communities become depressed, right? Folk want to leave. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, I want to open my business over here, where my building's going to gain value, mm-hmm. right? And the community around is to be saying next thing insurance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, unfortunately, uh, folks who are underprivileged and, and underclass, yeah, you, you you know what comes with that, mm-hmm. right? You know. Crime and opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if you can't get insurance because you've been put on this red line list, and right. they come and hit the business, mm-hmm. then how many times they gonna hit you before you fall up shop?
1: Right. Okay.
0: These are these are the these are the things that systemically led to our businesses,
1: you know, going mm-hmm. okay. away. Okay. And then
0: at the end of the day, too. But clearly,
1: that couldn't be a thing now, could it? In twenty nineteen. Well,
0: well, yeah. Twenty nineteen. You got food deserts. Mm-hmm right
1: okay were you
0: if i sent if, if i sent you out right now you 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 are a runner correct yes if i sent you out right now and said nitty i need you to come back with a bunch of bananas three apples and some in a bag of fresh carrots and i give you 10 minutes to do it you were in the heart of wilmington and i gave you 10 minutes to do it could you do it no correct
1: <laughs> not at all <laughs> <laughs> food not at least <laughs> food desert mm-hmm. so so that's because I've heard somebody refer to Wilmington as a food desert before yeah, there it is. but I that's... wasn't totally sure what they meant But I mean I yeah. got the concept but I was thinking to myself well you know you got let's say shot right roughly 1.4 miles from where we are currently right you got Acme is one point one miles rough. Ref- I know because i will be running for real. Uh, one, roughly one point one miles, so on and so forth. And then you might got some bodegas and stuff in between, but yeah, nah. Um, so now I get it. You know, how
0: many how, how many grocery stores they
1: got around Hoquess? We can start with the Acme, the Gennardis, the <laughs> uh, the whole bunch. Y'all yeah, can run through them. You know, Pathmark just, you know, went out of business a couple years ago, but that became Acme too, so it still, you know, got replaced.
0: Yeah.
1: All kinds of stuff. So that's it. Mm-hmm. that, that, that is it. That makes total sense. Okay. Cool, so now, so now you, it's funny you should say that because there was a, I don't know if you got a chance to read it yet, because it, it came out, it was published, well, this was actually published back in October, but I guess it got revisited today. put out in in the Delaware News Journal, the title is Wilmington, One of the Hardest Places to Achieve the American Dream. Wilmington is one of the hardest places to achieve social mobility in the United States, a new tool from the United States Census Bureau shows. Now, my issue with that, and I'll just read the opening line, in Wilmington where about a quarter of the population lives in poverty and many lifelong residents barely make more than their parents. The American dream has remained just that, a dream. Wilmington is one of the hardest places to achieve economic mobility in the United States. A new tool from the Census Bureau shows, um, so on and so forth. I hear that, and, you know, even without even me getting the chance to read the whole article. Here's my side eye moment. I got to ask you about yours. I know, I know, now I know you like to delve into things before you speak on them, But I feel like you have enough of uh your thumb on the pulse of some things to be able to give you know a fairly educated Big right? G yeah so I look at it and like you said the Big G I look around and I see cause I've been here since I came to UD in 97 so I've been here what's that, 22 years yeah. yeah so a little more than half my life now has been spent basically my adult life has been spent in Delaware and I remember what Market Street Mall used to look like I don't know how long you've been up this way because I know you're a sexist guy. I've been here style. since 99. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you, around. So, I know I know what the Market Street Mall used to look like. I remember when that riverfront wasn't called the riverfront, really. I remember that. You know, I see what Northside is turning into. I just learned yesterday. I just learned yesterday on Team Nitty Radio, which you catch every Sunday afternoon from 1 to 3 p.m. on 91.3 FM, WV, DNWV, hd or Newark, that Riverside on the Bucket. They changed the name to something else. I forget what it is now. And over east side, well, you know, I mean, east side's, you know, it was rough over there. I am seeing the new apartments and stuff, the luxury stuff going up. And I see the businesses moving their people down here. Of course the businesses been moving down here cause everybody know Delaware is tax friendly with these businesses. And I think to myself, how dare you say this place is one of the most difficult ch- places to achieve the American dream? Right, see, Wilmington's not a destination city. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Now... Meaning?
0: People don't set out and say, hey, I want to go to Wilmington. I want to spend the night... Or I want to spend the weekend okay. in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. People come to Wilmington to work. Right. Or people already live here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Very seldom does someone say, I'm going to Wilmington for A, B, and C. Right? Right. non um, non-business related. So, when you under, when you understand that, then you understand that folks who are here either live here or work here. To make an area truly thrive, mm-hmm. people have to want to come here. I know people who come from Philly who never think about going through Wilmington. They want to get to the beaches or they want to go to, to mm, D.C. Yeah. They never even think about coming through Wilmington. Mm. But yet, Wilmington is so conveniently ba- it's situated. Honestly, Wilmington be the perfect location. Like, look, because Philly's dirty. Mm-hmm. Let's be, let's be, let's be <laughs> clear. Philadelphia is a dirty city. Mm-hmm. Wilmington largely is not a dirty city. Right, Largely it's not there's some pockets here and there but mm-hmm. like, it's not a dirty city you could honestly say you know what let's get away from this mm-hmm. let's drive 35 minutes let's see let's grab a whole let's grab a hotel right you know what i mean that's it. nobody knows us down there mm-hmm. we can you know what i mean you want to be a little you know i mean you want to be a little free you want to mm-hmm. do some things that you don't want to do here right. you know what i mean mm-hmm. let's go do that no one does that also what i think it's so disgusting about the the way that Wilmington is portrayed. Mm-hmm. when I did my uh, when I did my thesis for my master's degree, um, I did it on the relationship between um, poverty juvenile uh, poverty on juvenile crime mm-hmm. and I went back and I opened it with the history of Wilmington. You know Wilmington and Chester and Camden used to be the places where all the lawyers, the the doctors the bankers from philadelphia that's where they all used to live that's how wilmington has that slogan uh place, place to, to be somebody, somebody. okay I because that, I that. this is where they used to this is where they used to live okay um folks who folks who um live who worked in the shipyard we mm-hmm. talk about now it's the riverfront yeah
1: but the shipyard
0: right folks who work in the shipyard same thing in chester they camden chester and wilmington all have a dual decline, mm-hmm. and it goes with the loss of the shipping industry. Okay, right. So, when you understand that, and now you see 30, 40 years later, mm-hmm. this is the narrative that's to drive the property values down. Mm-hmm. Because I'm seeing where I just parked my car that wasn't here, Mm-mm. right? Sure, um, much. you know, you looking at loss, yeah, on Market Street. Right. Mm-hmm. So if this place is so hard to make it, why is this right. that
1: Why are we about to have a beer garden, <laughs> right. a second beer garden?
0: And so some of this is the urban return.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: See, you heard about urban flight where yeah. the white folks left the city. They didn't want to be around the Negroes right. and they left the cities and they went out to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Well, now they want to come back to be closer to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, more eco-friendly, right? Yeah. We wanted to drive everywhere. We like to be able to walk places. Mm-hmm. Well, who inhabits these places where they want to be? And mm-hmm. the property values are so depressed. Right. Like, yeah, we, we could do that. Mm-hmm. The The problem is you have to hold developers responsible, mm-hmm. right? Get your money. This is a capitalist society. America is a capitalist society. Get your money. But you got to be socially responsible too you got to develop some affordable housing Mm -hmm. right you you have to do that i make it my business that the town that i grew up in there was a section in the town where the black folks used to live right and it was probably 35 40 black families when i lived there it's two now Mm. right I see people who I work with now talk about, oh, I got a beach house in Lewis. When I tell them from Lewis, oh, I got a beach house in Lewis. I ask them for the address. They tell me what the address is and I make sure I tell them, oh, yeah, I, reme- I remember uh, when such and such. <laughs> um, I remember this, that, and the mm. fourth so that they know and understand. Right. You're in a gentrified community. hmm Period. You don't think they already knew that? You know, they try to suppress that. And then some of them, they're so new to buying that stuff right. that they don't give much thought to what it was before. You mm-hmm. look at this house that's there now. You look at a $500,000 house that's there now. Right. You don't even think back to when
1: uh, the houses that was there were fifteen grand. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but we were just talking yesterday about how, you know, what I didn't know is they were giving... A bunch of these families out here vouchers to send them on out to like Lexington Green. Yeah. Well it's not called Lexington Green anymore, my... but over in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So yeah, gentrification is something real. So <laughs> now again, going back to going back to something you said alluded to earlier, is this again part of a a long standing design that we just didn't realize was taking place?
0: So whether we realize it or not didn't mean we could stop it. Okay. Right? we have to be in a position to stop mm. it for you know for example um let's say your grandma mm. had a property here and you know she's ready to move on from that property mm. it's important that grandma sells that to cliff mm. and maybe grandma don't make 30 grand more than she could have made right but it stays in the hands of somebody who's trying to who was who grandma was at one point in time, young, mm-hmm. trying to start out, and stays in their hands. And that gives somebody else a it chance. Becomes
1: generational.
0: When we just take the money and run, and, and I say this full disclosure, my grandfather did that. Mm-hmm. When we just take the money and run. Yeah, enough people do that, you got whole blocks. Like, like these folks, these developers buy in whole blocks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? But we struggle with wealth and we know that real estate is foundational to wealth. Right. Right? We Mm -hmm. struggle with wealth. We know real estate is foundational to wealth. Right. But yet we have whole blocks Mm -hmm. of our neighborhoods that are available for developers. Right. Just like a lot of these blighted properties that are boarded up. Mm -hmm. You go down there and find out who owns them. Lots of times it's not who you think. They lead you to believe, you know, oh yeah, we gotta find these landlords. You know, we gotta get these landlords to either fix these properties up or uh, relinquish these properties. Right. Lots of times, let's say, let's say that's a, let's say that's a block that's got uh, ten units on it. Okay. Lots of times, a developer will own five or six of them units already, right? Mm-hmm. But it's four people holding out, and he ain't gonna do nothing until he got the whole community. Let me tell you, he got that whole block, right? Because right. we just knock them down and redevelop a whole block. Mm-hmm you sitting there thinking because it's boarded up that that's Cliff's that's, that's Cliff's daddy property and, 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 and Jimmy right. you know no lots of times it's not who it is okay we have to place a, we have to place a value in remaining you know keeping a footprint but also giving somebody else an opportunity to make your money ain't nobody talking about just, just turning properties over right make your money but what's that Twenty grand gonna do for you, mm-hmm. actually, right? Some may say a lot. It might, but we all gonna return to the soil
1: mm-hmm. anyway. True,
0: right? What's that twenty
1: grand gonna do for you? When you return to <laughs> <Right>. the soil? <laughs> Not a damn thing. That's all. <laughs> so now, given all of what you just said, and. The fact that it's documented that, you know, we have the most spender power, what's, what's the cog or what's the piece that needs to be fit to set that machine in motion so that we do start making these generational moves, if you will?
0: Nitty, we've been cultured, we've been culturally conditioned not to succeed. Mm Mm-hmm. We have, to, we have to untie all of that. Number one, we had to gain knowledge itself. self. Mm-hmm. Once you have knowledge itself, self, then you understand truly the greatness that's within you, and then you will begin to see things and operate totally differently.
1: Right? Yeah, some folk out there said, oh, here go Woke Cliff. Here go Hotel oh, no, Cliff. No, no, no. no, no <laughs> but you know what, though? You know
0: what, Right. When folks was walking around talking about uh, they was woke and stay woke, mm-hmm. I was telling folks, now I'm not woke. I got insomnia." Mm-hmm. See, I knew the woke movement. I knew what was going to happen to it. Mm-hmm. It's not led by inte- by intellectuals. Right. It's not. These folks. You have a YouTube channel. You know. You go out there. You talk that talk. Mm-hmm. And folks see it. Want to believe it? Cause cause within us, we want to cling to greatness. Right. Right. Even if somebody's inventing mm-hmm. that narrative. I've always been the type of person, and I'm not down on anybody who doesn't have formal education, but I've always been a person that you need somebody to be able to calibrate that information. Mm -hmm. I do it. When folks sit around me and and, and they put stuff out there that's in the realm of myth or in the realm of urban legend, I don't tell them, I don't just piss on their dream, but I tell them that I haven't factually been able to substantiate Mm -hmm. any of that. Right. Right? Now, maybe they educate me. And they tell me, yeah, well, you go here, you go here, you go here, then I can learn, Mm -hmm. right? But I also make sure that they know that I'm pretty well read. I read a lot. That this doesn't Mm -hmm. line up with stuff that I've studied and stuff from reliable and trusted sources. Um, After knowledge itself, right? to further break down uh, the cultural conditioning that's been placed on us, then we have to place a value hmm. in doing business amongst ourselves. Right? I mean, it's not just buy black. Right. You can't just buy black. I mean, you saw you saw the Killer Mike uh, the Killer Mike Netflix special.
1: I didn't watch it. Uh, I heard it You're not a fool with Killer Mike, like that. Okay, I did but, not know that, but I can see why. Well, um, based on what I know about you, <laughs> but, but uh, very smart man, very mm. inte- very intelligent
0: man. That, you know, I mean, let's be let's be clear. My right. issues with Killer Mike are not the uh, not the issues that I have with say um, Irv Gotti. Okay. Right. My issues with Killer Mike is Killer Mike was actually walking around telling people that voting didn't matter. And there's just been too many of our ancestors that died for that. that. I don't care if you agree with my politics or not, but don't tell our folks voting don't matter because your candidate of choice Mm -hmm. isn't gonna get it. Right, right. Because I know the influence that a lot of our people place in celebrities. Right. It's funny Mm -hmm. that we make fun of Donald Trump. Right. And we talk about Donald Trump's followers. Right. Um. You know. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, right? The beehive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's a cult-like following because yeah. of somebody's popularity. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the fact that she uh, that that she demonstrates a desire and, and a hope and a want for better of our people. Mm-hmm. But what if she didn't? Would she be any less popular? All right. Nope. Cause she was this popular before anybody knew
1: yeah. what what her true feelings right. were, right? <laughs> yeah. that's So
0: a fact. that's not all that different mm-hmm. than than the trumpets, right? Right. Correct. All right. So with that understanding, because it just goes to you know we you know we as a as a culture you know we like success. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a capitalist society. We like folks that got money. We like folks that's popular, right? We got we got folks, man. We got folks that can run down. Um, the relationship status of said celebrity and couldn't tell you who their congressman is, who their Mm -hmm. congresspeople are. That's a problem. Right. Said celebrity ain't going to impact your life. But these these local representatives and these delegates, they're going to represent your life. You know, they're going to impact your life. Mm -hmm. So these are the types of issues that we have that we've got to get ironed out. And then we have to place a value on education and when i say education i mean beyond high school whether it's a trade school or whether it's a college education a basic education or a high school education is not enough to sustain a black man mm-hmm. or black woman in america it's not my great uncle dawg I went to him at the, my freshman year and I told him I was thinking about not going back to school. And you're talking about a man that was born in ni- man was born in 1929. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about 1996, Right. I'm having this conversation with him and he was, because my biological father wasn't a part of my life, he's a father figure for me, He's mm-hmm. my grandmother's brother. I told him I wasn't going back to school, My one of my best friends, uh, his father uh, had died um, he had a club, he had a nightclub that had been closed for three, four years. Um, I had ideas of opening that up, bringing that back. Mm-hmm. My great uncle said, you not, you know, from North Carolina, uh, sixth grade education, mm-hmm. right? You're not, you not dumb as you, right? And I'm looking at him, he said, because <laughs> you, you don't come from stupid people, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't understand what that was. I stayed in school, I graduated. The day that I graduated, um, because I spent a lot of time, my great uncle. Um, the day that I graduated, I went out, and he wasn't a man of a lot of words, he was just a hard work, he was just a hard working man. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, He said, nephew, he said, I'm gonna tell you something. In America, a black man can't survive on just a nine to five. You cannot let Somebody else control one hundred percent of your income because if they control one hundred percent of your income, they control you. Mm-hmm. And this is a man with a sixth grade education, out of Newland, North Carolina, mm-hmm. suburb of Elizabeth City, okay, who migrated to Delaware and worked and sent back and brought all of his siblings okay. up here. That's why. That's why. That's why I have so many. Different avenues. Right. I make no mistake, I know where my bread and butter is, mm-hmm. but no one area controls one hundred percent of my income. Okay. And I got that from a man with a sixth grade education. He also told me You so smart. You work smarter, you don't work harder, so that when you sixty six years old, you don't be an old broke down man like me. Mm-hmm. he said you do it with what's above your shoulders and that right there they'll never take from you and that'll mm-hmm. make them more scared of you than you ever will stand in my, my my uncle was six four my uncle was six four about three thirty okay no you know no. Of the man right in <laughs> darkest night right darkest midnight right but he knew and he knew and understood mm-hmm. and so these are values that i've taken with me and these are things i try to impart mm-hmm. in in that I that I try to mold we have to have these values and then the final thing I think the final pillar for how we untangle some of this stuff is we cannot measure ourselves by the standards that other people set for us okay we gotta we need to really get back and try to learn some of the culture that was taken from us because you know who knows the greatness that's within us and have always known the greatness within us? Tell them. Those other folks. Mm-hmm. Why the hell you think they beat it out you? Right. Right? Why do you think they work so hard to keep it from you? Mm-hmm. Right? Why you think they try to keep you from the folks who can give right. it to you?
1: <laughs> and, and the curriculum always starts at slavery. <laughs> right?
0: Now, the unintended consequence of the internet, you know what it is? What's that? Internet shrunk the globe. The internet made what was once damn near impossible mm-hmm. for you to talk to uh Usef mm-hmm. or Yusuf. That forty years ago, he would have had to been coming here for an education or you'd have had to been traveling over there mm-hmm. and bump into him and y'all have some conversation. Right. Now man, you pick up that laptop, you pick up a smartphone. Mm-hmm bloop y'all talking now, Yusuf telling you, you know what, nitty you got people from Cameroon, and you know you like well funny you should say that mm-hmm. because I just gotta did this DNA test and right. say, you know what you got Cameroonian features
1: mm-hmm.
0: I see people I do business, Yusuf telling you, I see people I do business with Cameroonians. Um, all day long. And I'm telling you, Nitty, you got the, you got the cheek, you got mm-hmm. the cheek structure. You know, you, you built, you built like most of them are mm-hmm. like,
1: uh,
0: and, and, and that shrinks the world. Right. With that also comes the sharing of culture. Look mm-hmm. at our dances. These dances we doing over here. It's crazy how it's that tasty. was, yeah. It, it, I mean, but we, but we've never been there
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: and we didn't look, we didn't look at them dancing and say, yo, let's do this.
1: Right. Yeah, it was in us. It's
0: in you. You know You know what I'm saying? And we're the only ones that didn't know. Mm-hmm. So we got it. We we have to tap into that.
1: Okay. So now, this, you know, before we get out of here, uh, this brings me to a point, and I'm paraphrasing again here, and I know you know, I'm sure you know the quote where... James Baldwin said, like, what is it, to be black or African in America and conscious is to be in a constant state of rage, something to that effect. I'm looking you right in the eyes. And anybody who knows you, or anybody who's probably who's listening to this right now, who might be hearing you for the first time, there's no way they can't say they don't see the consciousness. Are you in a constant state of rage? Because you don't seem so, but who am I to say what's going on inside you? James Baldwin.
0: Was well ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. James Baldwin was was wise, mm-hmm. right? And and you gotta understand and know who James Baldwin was. You know what I mean? He was he was a, a open homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, he suppressed uh, his um, standing in the LGBTQ community for the betterment of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. He willingly him and other folks like Pauli Murray um Bayard russian a willingly took a back seat to to their blackness because they felt that their blackness you saw that first right mm-hmm. so to the constant state of rage, I'm a big black man mm-hmm. i have to I have to control my my movements I have to control my actions at all times right mm-hmm. I could be I could be the broke activist, right? right. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Right? But I also have to be the activist that takes care of my daughter. Right. I see things on a damn near daily basis that remind me. And, and and if folks look hard enough, you see things on a daily basis that remind you mm-hmm. where you stand in this country as a displaced African in America. Right? Mm-hmm. How you process it and how you deal with that? It's damn near game, damn near, right? I sit in rooms where policy is being developed, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that policy is some hot trash, right? Or mm-hmm. I see people sometimes who who are advocating for the betterment of our people, and I know their heart is in the right place. But I also know if I asked these people, would you trade places with us? They're not gonna they wouldn't do it right so truly, what are you? I tell people right Black folk got too damn many friends. We don't have enough advocates okay, right the <clears throat> difference I mean. The difference between, not advocates, an ally. The difference between a friend and an ally is a friend will support you until it runs counter to their interests. Mm-hmm. An ally will support you whether their interest is being served or not. Okay. I'd rather have one ally than ten friends.
1: Wow. Well, that was deep. Um, <laughs> I think that's a good note to wrap it up on, especially since because, you know, Knitting the City's gonna be on the move this summer and one of those moves is gonna be, you know, down Kendall Sussex County, wherever you uh, plan on hosting us. Um, especially, you know, as we upgrading all this equipment and stuff, because uh, what a lot of people don't know too is Delaware is, you know, where Delaware is rich in history as a state, period. Mm-hmm. It's rich in black history. I mean, yes. black history is American history, yes. but it's world history, but it's rich in a lot of black history that a whole lot of people don't know about. Yeah. And a lot of that is down, uh, down the way. And
0: here too. Mm-hmm. And here too. Yeah. All, all of Delaware. Mm-hmm. Um It's all interconnected. Okay. Um, You don't have, you don't have the, you don't have the success stories of Richard Allen mm-hmm. and Absalon Jones without Sir Thomas Garrett. Mm-hmm. Right right here right. right here in Quaker Hill. hmm Right? Yeah. You don't have the success that Harriet Tubman had without Sir Thomas Garrett mm-hmm. and the in the in the, the friends community right. here in Wilmington. Um Peter Spencer. You know, we talk about Richard Allen and and um Absalom Jones starting uh, the quote unquote first black churches. Mm-hmm. Well, Peter Spencer had the first black, all black congregation right. in America. Period. Mm-hmm.
1: Just two blocks from where you sit, where mm-hmm. we sit right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's history. Yeah, actually, and um, the Delaware History Museum, right on the Marcus Street Mall, they have uh, you know, such facts uh, posted up in there too for those of you, you know sneak peek for those of you who want to go down there and try to get some of that. Just like I was here. I don't know how long I was here before I learned about uh, Marcus Garvey's association with, Del- with Delaware. He was incorporated. Or, yeah. He was or, incorporated here. Well Bob Marley's association with Delaware, like right? or the Marley family I should say. Um. <laughs> that was I mean they they still had a presence here mm-hmm.
0: up until maybe 10 years ago I okay. know when I first moved up here mm-hmm. the um, Bob Barley Festival was huge and his mother yeah. I don't know I don't know if she's still alive or not but his mother was still mm-hmm. very active she came out every year mm-hmm. so you talking about that was 99 right you know up until at least 2009 mm-hmm. I know for certain
1: yeah so, so yeah so yeah I mean I'm definitely looking forward to you know you educating us some more what's going on in around the state because I know you got it. Um, before we get out of here, though, you know the drill. We can't let people leave without leaving something positive for the people, even on the of the city. Everything got to end on a positive note for the people because ain't nothing like, you know how they always say, don't go to bed angry. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things. You know, we don't want to let y'all leave. Especially, you know, you hit them heavy. I knew it was going to happen. I mean, the, the stuff is heavy. So sometimes you just need that little something. So without further ado, tell the people something. First and foremost, hate is a sickness. Don't
0: allow hate To overcome you, Dr. King said that only light can drown out darkness, and only love can drown out hate. It's hard sometimes, but you gotta love. You gotta love your brothers and sisters. I refer to them as our vanilla brothers and sisters. You gotta love all your brothers and sisters, but you also have to be mindful and know when there's an enemy in the midst. When there's an enemy in the midst, you carry yourself and you conduct yourself as such.
1: No doubt. And look, you know, I'm going to keep it uh, nice as a sink, Of course, you know, so today's a gift. That's why they call it the present. And like I said, uh, on the last episode, you know, I know a lot of us talking about vacationing to get away from life and things of that nature. I saw a thing that one said. Try to live a life you don't need to vacation from. <laughs> Can I say one more thing? Yeah. If you want to play Russian roulette with your
0: life... <laughs> for good pictures on a beach in palm trees then go to Florida. Mm-hmm. Please stay out of the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. Dominican Republic has been on my band list for over a decade because of the way that they treat their Haitian neighbors. Mm-hmm. The serial killer that's running around because I firmly believe that we're going to find out that's a serial killer mm-hmm. doing that. The serial killer that's running around there all he's doing is illuminating something that has been in the mist there forever. Yeah. If you want to roll the dice with your life, just go to Florida. You, 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 you can do the yeah. same thing there. Just go to Florida. Cost a lot less. Wasn't safe for Big Poppy. Come on, man. Right. Come on, man.
1: <laughs> Living legend.
0: Yeah. I, I can. No, you said ended on something positive. Because I don't know how to make it positive. The hit was for $8,000. And there's 10 people arrested in connection with that hit. These have got to be the lowest Damn. killers
1: All right.
0: on the planet, man.
1: That means they just wanted to kill. Now you said you know you said some people <laughs> would teach you for the love. <laughs> it was just killing for the love out I here. Mean. Gotta yeah. be. Yeah. Gotta be. That's wild. I definitely don't want to go to a place where a man just willing to murder you. would Big Papi. Yeah. Yeah. Florida, y'all. That's good enough for you. But yeah, man. It's in the city. It's one on one with the one and only Cliff Von how man. Look out for that next episode. We out.